Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Edge of Comfort podcast, where people from all over the world share their unique travel adventures, experiences, perspectives, pieces of advice, and ways of living life to the fullest. I am your host, Lee Thornquist, and thank you for listening today. On this episode, I talk with Akil Karim from the United Kingdom, and Akil recently finished up a 250-day solo trip to places like India, South America, uh, Central America, and even got back to Europe a few times to watch his beloved Manchester United football team. So again, Akil just got back eight months of traveling, which is awesome. Um, but a bit more on him, he is a food fanatic, a huge football enthusiast, a go-with-the-flow type of guy, which you will hear us talk about a little bit, and overall just a great advocate for travel, and he's really working hard on promoting travel in the Muslim community. So I really enjoyed talking with him, as I'm also doing a similarly length trip. Um, I'm only a month into mine, so it was great to kind of pick his brain and get some tips and pieces of advice to help out with such a long trip. Um, But, you know, whether or not you desire to do such a long trip like his or like mine, uh, he offers some really valuable advice and perspectives for any sort of traveling that you may do. Um, He touches on a few things like easy ways to meet people, how to not burn out, and most importantly, whether or not you should buy a selfie stick. So thank you again for listening. Make sure to head to edgeofcomfort.com and subscribe for emails to join the journey. And you can also follow my adventures on Instagram at EOC Travel. And also go check out Akil's stunning pictures and stories from his 250-day trip on Instagram or YouTube at his uh, username, which is Musa Abroad. That's M-U-Z-Z-A-A-B-R-O-A-D. Musa Abroad. So enjoy, guys. Really hope you like this episode. And cue the music! Akil, how's it going, man? Yeah, not too bad. It's been a busy week, but we're finally here. We're finally here. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, joining me today, man. I'm I'm pumped to have you on the podcast. Appreciate it. Are you so? Are you back in the UK now? Yeah, I'm back in the UK. Um, finished my travels mid September, uh, but I'm a bit behind on my Instagram, unfortunately. But uh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Ah, okay, that makes sense then. Um, okay, um, so yeah, so uh, well, first off, I'd uh, like to shout out Theo for uh, making the connection for us. That was pretty nice of him. Uh, I'm glad he was able to do that. Um, but so yeah, so 
sounds like you've had a pretty awesome 2017, and you called it the year of the traveler. Um, yeah, the year of the traveler. Um, epic. That's that's the word I can describe it as. Is epic. Never yeah. expected to half the things I did. Yeah, so can you just kind of give me a little bit more of a background on just what this past year has been like and just kind of how you came to the decision to do it and just kind of maybe like a uh, overview of some of that stuff? Yeah, that's fine. Um, I was going to go traveling South America. I had it always in my head. South America was on the bucket list. It was something I really wanted to do. But my grandmother, she was like, you're going to be gone for nine months. Surely you're going to spend some time with me. Take me back somewhere, go somewhere, take me somewhere. So I was like, all right, fair enough. Where would you like to go? So my traveling didn't actually start in South America. It started in India. I did four weeks in India, which was, uh, again, it was incredible to go um, to a place where my heritage, my family are actually from. So to go there in backpack was something special. But then as soon as I got back from India, a day later, that's when I started to go to South America. I traveled over to Peru. I planned my first few weeks, about three weeks, I'd say, um, of the the eight remaining weeks, uh, months left. And after that, I literally, an expression we use over here, I winged it. I literally winged the rest of my traveling. Um, so after brazil i i was just going with the flow wherever wherever my heart desired wherever i heard another traveler say you need to go to i literally did it um i managed to do 22 countries within them nine months um i headed back to the uk and europe during them nine months um for a footballing occasion which i'm a big uh, soccer uh, football fan um, and I made it all the way up to Cuba. God knows how I did that. I never had the intentions of doing Central America. And I don't know how I managed to do that. But yeah, I went all the way through uh, South America. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to go to Venezuela. Um, that is definitely going to be uh, my next place, hopefully, when the country uh, stabilizes. But yeah, that, that's that's in a nutshell how it went. That's absolutely incredible, man. <laughs> So, so what was the the total time frame with two hundred fifty days? Is that right? So on the Instagram, I'm uh, just about to hit that two hundred and fifty days. No, in fact, I went ten days over, and the reason being is because of that Cuba incident of going Cuba, but also, um, this is a sneak peek again for the Instagram, um, unless uh, you've already followed the stories. But because of the hurricane um, that headed into Orlando, I wasn't able to fly out from Orlando. So I managed to reach 265 days. So, uh, yeah, I've got some extra days in there. That actually kind of leads me into a a question pretty well, Um, kind of with, like, unexpected scenarios and things that come up that uh, we can maybe think about as being bad, at least personally, but maybe they can be good. And I remember in one of your posts... You talked about how um, I think it was a bus or something was canceled and you weren't able to get to where you're supposed to go, but then you ended up staying and having just an incredible experience. Um, does that sound familiar at all? Oh, there's been numerous occasions. Um, you can rattle a handful of them off, but these experiences 
at the time you don't appreciate them because obviously you want to get from a to b without any issues without any problems but each one of these problems they do come with a story they do come with a life lesson you do learn from your mistakes um but yeah there's been numerous occasions like that and in fact they've helped me in a way they've definitely helped me i've seen things from a different perspective um in terms of the bus incident, um, could you refer to which one? Because there was a lot of buses that were cancelled on me. I, I don't remember exactly which one it was. I just remember seeing it scrolling through. Um, but I guess, is there any one of those incidents in particular that stand out to you or that you remember yeah, I can, specifically? I can, yeah, I can, I can give it a good example. The one going down south of Peru, um, what happened was I had a few friends that left a couple of days before me I wasn't able to go down the south of Peru purely because my baggage was still stuck in London. And this was when I first arrived in South America. And the friends that had like left early or headed off earlier, unfortunately, they were stranded in one of the cities before getting to Arequipa. So what happened was they were actually stuck there and I ended up going to the city rather than them because they were stuck in the city because there was... Um, there was basically heavy rainfall and the route that they were going to take they were able to get to the city because obviously the 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 roads that they were on weren't they weren't safe safe enough to travel on whereas i was able to travel on them so there's been little things like that which have been a blessing for me do you i guess kind of taking a step back again now um q like how did you what was like the time frame on your decision for this trip? Like, how long were you thinking about it before you actually departed on it? And like, what were kind of some of the steps you went through to make it a reality? Ooh, um, to make it reality, it was a hard one, um, and I will never forget how I did it. So. I was I was really piping it up. I was saying to friends and family, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go traveling." Like, you know, I've I've finished university. I've worked for a few years. I'm saving up. I'm gonna go traveling. That's it. That's how I want to do it. I was always saying to people, you know, South America is where I want to be. But in the back of my mind, I just I couldn't pull myself together to say, "Do you know what? Yeah, this is how long I'm gonna go for." You know, this this is what I'm gonna do. People are always putting doubts in your head like, oh, you're going to go traveling, but how are you going to survive out there? You know, is it safe? Are people going to welcome you out there? How are you going to find it? You know, these kind of questions then play in your mind and you start to think, okay, if I'm going to go out here, am I able going to actually survive out here? Am I going to be able to stay out here for this long? So initially I was thinking, okay, maybe I'll just go out two months, maybe see you know see how i feel you know test the waters and then maybe go for longer but then it just it just occurred to me i had to book a flight ticket that was the only way to cement my ideals in there and be like yes i am going to go traveling so one night just went on the laptop booked a flight for the longest period t- possible so it ended up being something like, it was 150 days initially. That was the longest uh, flight plan that I could get, uh, a return flight. And then I thought, do you know what? Okay, this is how I'm going to do it. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to just book the flight, do it, and that's it. And once I booked it, I just didn't want to think about it. That was it now. It was cemented. 
So when I do now speak to people, I'm like, yeah, okay, I've booked it. I have now actually booked my flight. I am going. So if anyone is wondering, you know, whether they can do it or whatnot, and they're a bit nervous and they've got no more doubts to put in their own head about why they shouldn't be booking, just book a flight. Honestly, book your travel, book your train, book whatever transport you need. That way you have to fulfill that travel, uh, that travel, uh, that travel plan. So that's how it came in, about, uh, in effect and how I got it in there. In terms of the time, I didn't really want to come back. I didn't really uh, have an, an idea of how long I really want to go out for, hence why I managed to do Central America. There was always something to do. There was always something that I was able to go uh, experience. There's a lot to see out there in South and Central, the whole of Latin America. Um, and it depends on how long you want to spend in each place, how long you want to spend in each city, um, if you want to do reoccurring things, because there were cities or activities that were similar to places that I had been before. Um, so for me, timing, I just moved to the next city or the next country as as of when I felt I was ready to move on or when I knew I had to move on. Um, I did get caught up in a few cities or countries um, longer than expected but again it was from my own freedom or my own will um, that I ended up staying longer than I potentially needed to but I enjoyed it I did everything that I wanted to do which was which was beautiful okay so with when you're doing it like that where it's just very um, flexible and just kind of going to a city and staying there how for however long you feel like it um, how are you going about like planning for certain things like accommodations or some of the other like smaller things that you might not really think about until you're actually there and on the road that you need a little bit of uh, a plan to to have for some of those stuff like how do you go about doing that stuff yeah um, in terms of structure um, structure is nice sometimes to work from I am, um, I majority of the time, I like to just be flexible um, in terms of accommodation bookings. It depends on whereabouts I was going. If it was on, you know, if it was peak time, I'd definitely book in advance. Um, but the way I used to move about, I'd, I'd usually book a couple of days in advance. Or if someone recommended, you know, you have to go to this uh, hostel or hotel or whatever accommodation it was then i would look into it if it was busy if i need to book it in and and i'll try to work around that time period there was actually a time period where i had to be day by day i had to work by a daily schedule and this is when i was going from la paz all the way up to lima and then back to europe when i was going over to oslo and stockholm and i didn't have a day to breathe I literally had no contingency days and I had to work. There was about five traveling days and I couldn't mess up. And on the first day, I messed up by leaving my passport back in the hostel. Um, but I managed, again, one of the wonders of uh, when you mess up on your travels, um, I managed to get a late night um, ferry across Lake Titicaca um, from uh, Bolivia over to uh, Peru. Um but again, when you work with a structure and you don't fulfill some of those days, they could deflate you in your 
your mindset, your your attitude sometimes because you haven't done something on a particular day or you weren't able to reach a particular city on a particular day. So again, I think you need some contingency days or flexibility so that you aren't let down if you were able to achieve some of your goals because it might just put you off the following day and you might just have a down day. So again, I think you need a bit of a structure, but yet that flexibility of if you don't attain that structure. So I think that's uh, the beauty of the way I travelled. Um, I was able to have the balance of both. And when I needed to have a structure, I knew exactly why I was having that structure because I wanted to achieve going to a particular festival or going to a particular footballing or soccer event. So how much did you know about south america before going and i mean like i i guess what was your big fascination with south america and why did you really want to go there first off and uh and yeah i guess how much did you know about it going into it yeah i i do it's hard to believe this now if i went back from the beginning of january i knew nothing zilch nada absolutely nothing and the only the only things I used to know about South America was actually the soccer football teams, because there's a lot of football teams that play over in Europe. So that's the only things I used to know about South America. I used to know obviously Rio. I used to know about Buenos Aires. Um, again, there's a popular TV show about Colombia at the moment. They're the only things I actually had an idea about, and obviously the World Wonders. But in terms of actually knowing about the countries, knowing about its economic or economical system <coughs> or its culture, the people, their attitudes, the food, nothing. I absolutely knew nothing. And that's what drew me into going into uh, South America. That was the beauty. That's what really sold it to me. Um, I actually had, it was a toss up between going Southeast Asia or going to South America. I have a lot of friends and family that have been in Southeast Asia. I feel like I've been there. Having seen some of my friends' uh, photos, I feel like I've been there. But in terms of South America, I don't feel as if it's been travelled that, that much. And especially some of the places, some of the, the treks I was doing, no one's even heard of it. And even I didn't know about some of these places. It was only until I got onto the the trails, onto the the you know the wave, the 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 amount of backpackers when I was on that trail with them. That's when I started to find out. Oh, you need to go to this city, this town, this place, and you f- start to find out more and more. And I I will I will hopefully go back to South America because there's so much more to see. But in terms of knowing about it, I absolutely nothing. I was in the black. I was in. I didn't know anything. I was blind. But um. I've definitely come out as a, a tour guide if anyone wanted to go, definitely. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so it's almost like the complete uncertainty and on just you knew, didn't know anything about it and that's what attracted you to it. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I love that. That's incredible. Um, so like with, with that and when you're, when you're telling people, um, one, just that you're going to go travel for 150 or more days, and two, that you're going to a place that is uncommon among people in your country, and is just a lot of people might not know about, and uh, like you said earlier, when people are kind of putting doubts in your head, I guess, how do you, not 
avoid them, but how do you combat them and, and still have confidence in yourself that you're going to go do it and you're going to come out on top of it and just and you know you're, you're going to be okay going into an experience like that with so much uncertainty? The bit about uncertainty gets anyone because it's hard to explain to someone who doesn't know themselves. If you don't know yourself, it's like the blind leading the blind. But I remember very, very clearly people saying to me, what are you even going to do out there? Is it even safe? And I have a beard, um, have a South Asian skin tone complexion. People were like, you know, how are they going to react to you? Like, do they even have people of your your appearance there? Like, these are the kind of uh, questions people are asking me. You know, are you able to um, are you able to keep the beard? Are they, you know, are you going to be able to pray out there? Like, these are the kind of questions I was getting, and I didn't know anything. I didn't have any answers. I didn't have any replies to them. So it was very hard to convince people like, yeah, I'm going to go South America. This is what I'm going to be doing. And, you know, I'm going to go and try this out and do that. It's only when I realized people started messaging me whilst I was out there in South America, I was doing something people would always want to do. And they've dreamt of doing. And I knew I was doing it right. The reason being is because people started to message me and started saying, we would love to come out there. We would love to meet you. We would love to uh, do exactly what you're doing. And that's when I knew the uncertainty that I was doing. I was now opening this uncertainty. I was giving a bit of light, sharing it with the rest of the community that I have, the rest of the social groups, the people around me. They were now looking from my eyes what I didn't know before. So they were now looking at my images and my videos. They were there like, how did you even know about this? Where did you even go to find out this? Did you know about this before, like you were asking now? And it's only until you're out there, you start to discover these places. And I'll tell you what, there's just, there's loads of places to discover in South America. And I can imagine there's you know, places that I don't even know of. Um, but in terms of answering these questions, having come back, having seen the messages that I have, these uncertainties, they've definitely been answered. Having gone into the blind, gone into the unknown, I've definitely shared with the rest of the community, the rest of the people that were questioning me, that there is something out there and it hasn't been explored by everyone. It still needs to be explored. Um, and it's only until you start seeing uh, the wave of people like they do in Southeast Asia, like they do across Europe, um, where people are going regularly where people you know families and the whole uh, traveling community do go out there and sharing it um it's only until you see that in south america then you'll have people relaxed on this uncertainty of what is out there because there is a lot there yeah okay so i i definitely want to get into some more about south america and some of the things you did there um but before we do that um, with the whole um, promoting the travel, and you said in your, uh, in a lot of your posts as well, and in your Instagram that you're promoting travel in the Muslim community. So can you just kind of touch up on this a bit more? Like, yeah, definitely, it'd be my pleasure. Um, the Muslim community, um, it's a funny one. Um, if they were going to travel, there's a certain amount of countries they would travel to: Turkey, Dubai. Um, these are the sort of, even Malaysia, Indonesia, these are the kind of countries uh, they would look to, and definitely Europe, the UK, and the USA. Um, these are the countries they would look to um, to travel. But I, I find this 
interesting, really, because whenever I travel, I don't see Muslim travellers. If they are going to be travellers, they're going to be for economic reasons, for work reasons. But when it comes to actually travelling, and I've travelled to support my soccer team, my football team, and again, I don't see Muslim travellers. What the issue is with Muslim travellers is they find it very hard to leave the community. And the reason being is because of their comforts, whether it's food requirements, so eating halal food where it's blessed, and whether it's praying, whether it's their appearance, they feel accepted within you know the community of the travellers. These are sort of um, um, when they pray as well. Uh, will they have a space to pray? Will people look at look at them in a certain way? And these are the kind of things that put people off from travelling, especially the Muslim community. And I feel as if Muslim families as well, they look at Muslim travellers in a way that, why are you travelling? What is the reason to travel to certain places? Like, you don't need to go to these places, which for me is completely wrong. I think everyone should have the opportunity. And if they have the opportunity, they should jump and leap at that opportunity to travel, to discover new places, see new uh, faces, um, explore different cultures. and. If they do that, it'll just open up their world up so much more. And I feel as if, um, I know this might get a bit deep now, but I really do feel as if it's much needed in this day and age. There was many times where I was traveling and I was praying in the hostels, in the corners or wherever. And you get certain types of travelers, certain types of uh, backpackers. And I'm the first Muslim they've ever come across. And even the locals, the locals were very confused when they came across me. They they didn't know anything about the Muslim population, the Muslim world. And I'm talking about going certain parts of Bolivia in the jungles. I'm talking about going certain parts of Ecuador in the rainforests. These they, they don't really have an idea of what a Muslim would look like, what they behave like. So when I was traveling, I used to meet locals. I used to meet other travelers. Where they they literally picked my brain and asked me all sorts of questions because they felt comfortable. They were in a common ground with me. I was a traveller just as them, or I was a traveller with the local. So they felt that comfort where they were able to engage on, and you know, a balanced ground or a, a ground they felt comfortable at. I, I'd used to travel with people for three, four days, even a week. And because we, we we built that relationship, we were able to have an, a conversation and engagement um, to a very high level. So, yeah, I feel as if the Muslim community, they really need to make the effort in going to travel, um, seeing different parts of the world, engaging with different people of the world. Um, it is a much needed thing. Um, I don't see many Muslim travellers. I have, I have looked around. I have spoken to a few. But in terms of long-term backpacking, um, it's not really common. It's not being heard of in my eyes. Um, it's something I really want to promote. I might not be the most influential Muslim backpacker or traveller, but I hopefully, one day, I do want to spark the brain, the mind, or the desire of the person who will bring travelling or backpacking to the masses of Muslims one day. So how did you keep um, 
your your faith and and your praying and and all that strong while being on the road for so long and in these places where it where the Muslim religion is so un, not unheard of but uncommon to some of these locals. Um, I guess how did you make sure that you were able to practice this every day and and stay true to yourself with it? Um, and I know in some of your posts too, you you talked a lot about around some of the struggles with Ramadan too and around uh, that area of the year. Um, so I guess, how were you able to um, to practice this so consistently and strongly still while being on the road? It was, it was most, it was definitely the most challenging time of my life, uh, being a Muslim, just being away from the community. And it really is true when people say, you know, you don't know what you have until it's gone. And it definitely came to me. Um, when I was traveling, I didn't appreciate the food, the meat that I used to eat on a daily basis. I didn't appreciate praying in the congregation or saying an Arabic welcome or hello to a, a fellow Muslim. I didn't appreciate that. I, I didn't. I, I never. I never thought of not having that. But when traveling, um, especially to a part of the world where it's not really heard of or common, you do take it. Um, you, you really do appreciate that. And I used to make so much of an effort to make Friday prayers, Jummah. Um, so the Friday prayers is where it's a congregation for the Muslims and it happens on a Friday. And I used to make such an effort to find the closest mosque um, up and down South America. So whatever country I was in, I'd make such an effort to go and see the Muslim community of that area. And it was a beauty, actually. Um, the reason being is because when I used to go to these mosques, I felt like it was a home away from home. Even though these mosques were filled with Arabs, Africans, Asians, locals, um, all sorts of Americans, it was we had a commonality. We, we were eating the same foods. We were greeting each other the same way. And it just felt like I was home again, even though I couldn't really speak that. The, the, you know the best Portuguese or Spanish I could but we did have some sort of understanding so it was really difficult not being around the Muslim community but when I was around the Muslim community it was just like being at home again so it was really helping me come over any homesickness that I was having or if I ever felt like oh I wish I was with the family or with other Muslims at that time point um time in terms of praying outdoors I find it very difficult, especially if I was, um, I'm not a very, uh, I'm not fluent in Spanish at all. So to go and pray um, out openly in the outdoors, I found that very, very difficult. So what I would have to do is I would have to return back to the hostel, um, the accommodations. I'd have to pray and then leave again, come back out again. So I found that very difficult. Um, and with uh, South America being a heavily meat influenced the um, continent it was really difficult to get food because what they would do is i'd go to many places and they sneak meat into my food even if i ordered vegetable soup they'd sneak a few pieces of meat in there and i'm like whoa you can't be doing this like i can't have this and the broken spanish the pigeon spanish i have wasn't good enough to translate like you can't put me in and then take it out and it's all fine so in terms of food the food was the hardest i'd definitely say um for a muslim to travel and for myself it was very very difficult so 
I'd have to cook a lot of the times for myself. Um, I would have to find vegetarian or vegan-only restaurants. Um, I think that was the most difficult and challenging part. Ramadan, super, super family, friends, Muslim-orientated time of the month. And Ramadan was a game. I've done Ramadan before abroad, um, but this was most certainly the biggest challenge I had. And I valued opening my fast each night uh, with other Muslims or other people. I was in restaurants sometimes, eating on my own, having fasted for X amount of hours, not drinking water or having any fluids, not eating anything. And you just want to be next to someone or be beside someone who's going through the same thing you are, having the same compassion, having the same feelings as you are. And I never had that some of the times. And what I'd be doing some of the times was eating whilst on a bus, um, you know, traveling one place to another. So you can think I've not ate, I've not drank all day. And then I'm opening my fast with a few biscuits or a few, uh, a couple, not a few, a handful of empanadas. Um, these are the kinds of things I was doing. And I tell you what, it was difficult. And I don't think a lot of people could do it. But it was definitely rewarding to do. It was rewarding in the fact that I was still seeing the world. I was still adhering to my faith. And I was still abiding by that and doing the things I love and bringing them both together. So uh, yeah, it is difficult. But if you want to see the beauty of the world, if you want to go and explore and be adventurous, you've got to make these sacrifices. You've got to put yourself through it in order to do it. So you mentioned um, with after fasting for many hours and then wanting to just be around someone and, and talk to them and share that experience. Um, I think that's very, not only with something like that, but with traveling solo maybe. A lot of people are maybe frightened by that loneliness and not sure what they would do with with being alone by themselves for that long of a time did you how do you deal with like those sense the loneliness feelings or um you seem very outgoing and like you can talk to anyone i i imagine but i'm sure there were times where you felt lonely or like you have trouble with connecting people maybe so how do you deal with with these feelings or, or these times of your travels solo traveling i've had this conversation a lot and it's interesting i get the best of both worlds as a solo traveller, you are never solo. You're never alone. I, I can imagine you feel this sometimes as well. Even when you want to be alone, there's always someone around. There's always another traveller around. So you're always able to engage with someone and have a conversation. And the way the travelling community works, you can be solo if you want to, or you can be a part of a group or a part of a, a couple, a clique. It's how you make travelling. And yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky in the sense I'm able to chit chat away to anyone that I feel. Um, but again, you do need downtime sometimes. And I think that is the beauty of solo traveling is you can dip in and out of what you feel you need at that point in time. There was definitely times where, you know, I was writing my Insta posts or I was, you know, I was going through my photos or I just wanted quiet time. I just wanted to roam in and out of the back streets of places or the marketplaces. Um, and you might want to spend longer times in certain places 
where someone wanted to go away or if you're having an up day or a down day and you're opposite to someone else it just feels good to just step away and be like do you know what today i'm going to be doing this um today i'm going to do that so in terms of being a solo traveler i think it's a blessing i, th- I think it's beautiful you're more you're more sociable in my eyes and you're having to do a lot more your organization skills for me i feel are heightened um you're more you i feel like you're aware of your surroundings much more you become a more wholesome of a person it's life changing there were times and i i cannot deny this there were definitely times experiences that i had i just wish someone close to me was nearby or even just someone just someone was with me the reason being is because when i come back home or when i speak on the phone um regularly to family friends and i'm like oh you wouldn't believe what happened i can hear over the phone i can sense it over the phone they do not have that excitement or the attachment or the connection or the feeling that i have and it's only when you speak to someone that you've experienced something with like a friend from the other side of the world and you're speaking over the phone oh do you remember that time we went to this place or that place and straight away you can you can sense it in their tone of voice it's just something else and that is the only reason and um, the only downside when you are solo traveling there are times you just wish you had someone that you're able to share these moments with where you don't need a phone you don't need a camera you don't need nothing apart from laughter good happy times even sorrow times just so you can reflect on those times and just share their memories and their their feelings that you had at that moment in time and that's the only downside if you ask me if solo traveling so how do you go about meeting people on the road um sounds like you stayed in hostels a little bit which are usually very easy to meet other travelers but um aside from maybe hostels how how else do you go about meeting other travelers in terms of meeting other travelers um free walking tours are big pluses for me i uh, i did a lot of free walking tours um in terms of when you walk around city towns you kind of gather who's a tourist who's a backpacker um and you just chat away um there's no harm in chatting away and when you're at a landmark and you need a photo taken i've never been the one to shy away of excuse me do you mind taking a photo and then that leads to a conversation and that might lead to evening plans and that might lead to you know a week long plan so i've never been shy of just saying hello to someone i i think that's the that that's the kind of nature i have i i i don't shy away at all and not engaging in that conversation or even asking them oh what do you recommend i think just having that initial conversation it it really does open up and you kind of gather if you're going to chat away with them and again you can always dip out like again i've mentioned dipping in and out and doing what you feel like you want to do there's been times where i've met people and they were going to go on some plans and i was a big fan of them plans and i'd say to them you know i'd love to do that but it's it's just not within my time scale it's not something i'm particularly good at or want to do um, but what i could do is keep up to date with you keep in touch with you and then we can meet at later time or date and that is something i've done before um so again in terms of meeting people it is literally just being brave enough to just engage in a conversation with them and everyone in the traveling community they they have a certain persona about them 
they're away from home. They're more they're so they they they're more open in my eyes. They 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 look to other travellers to fill that gap that they may have of feeling lonely or alone. So they do feel more open and they feel more relaxed to people. They're more themselves, if you ask me. Um, so again, I feel it's much easier engaging conversations when you're on the travels than when you're back at home or you, you know, you're doing your nine to five shifts and no one really wants to talk. They just keep themselves to themselves. So I feel like when you're on travels, when you're on the travels, you're much easier to have a conversation or engage with people. I, I really like the, the the fact that you think, or not that you think, but I think, uh, sorry, <laughs> that you notice more people on the road seem more open-minded and more willing to, to kind of go out of the way to talk to people as opposed to kind of when we're all stuck in a daily routine of life or in a job or something. Um, and looking back on your posts, I, I think it was actually day 12, you had a post and you said, open the window to your mind and see what you find. Um, and I, I really like that little saying. Um, so I guess, <laughs> how do you kind of keep your mind open, um, I guess, on the road while you're traveling and then when you're back home and maybe when you do get back into a routine of work and and hanging out with the same people and things like that, how do you keep your mind open? Definitely while traveling. Um it's a must must in in order to gain the full experience to gain truly gain what you want to out of traveling you do need to have that openness openness allows you to do so much more it allows you to take that leap of faith and i feel like when any even if you're going on a vacation a holiday whether you're going backpacking whether you're going traveling when even if you're on a business trip when you leave your comfort zone back at home where you keep a professional level, where you keep a, a certain tone with people, when you leave that comfort zone, you're more likely to be free. You're more likely to do something you're not usually going to do. And I'll give you an example. It's like doing paragliding or going on a speedboat or going scuba diving. You're much more likely to do that whilst you're traveling, whilst you're, you're in that free, free zone. Whereas at home, I just don't feel like people break free from their shackles of their daily lives. And that reminds me of the the whole saying of the being on the hamster wheel. And again, being on the hamster wheel, it's for me, whilst I'm traveling, I'm just being human. I don't want to be a human being. And what I mean by that is. I don't want to be in that hamster wheel where I'm constantly just working, just doing things where I'm never going to ju jump out of my comfort zone. I'm just comfortable doing this or that. I want to push myself to the limits. And this is what happens when you travel. You really do value your traveling experience. You you appreciate what you're doing and you get caught up in this, this traveling mode of why not? Why can't I go and do this? Why can't I go bungee jumping? Why can't I go uh, rafting? Or why can't I go um, uh, tubing um, on a river? These are the kind of things you start asking yourself. You, you start to get brave. You start to, you start to come out of your shell much more. And that is the beauty of traveling, really. In terms of when you come back home, and I'm still trying to 
put I'm still trying to find out myself in this respect of coming back and trying to implement some of my travel values into my life and I do think it is a very very hard thing to do and the reason being is because and I knew this before I was going to travel when I come back home there'll be the same places and the same faces that haven't changed one bit I've come back home and it really doesn't feel like it's changed and it's something that I need to do rather than expecting the people around me to help me ease back in it's something I need to do I need to incorporate some of these traveling values of being super, being sociable and going to see family much more often rather than keeping up to date with them over the phone or Facebook. Because that was something, again, I remember I was meeting people face to face a lot more. I was going to cafes, restaurants much more whilst I was traveling. Um, in terms of walking much more, I was walking, which had health benefits. So I was doing that much more. Um, in terms of trying out new things, trying out new foods. And I think this helps me as a person when I'm trying things or doing things. And again, it goes back to that hamster wheel. If I come back home and I hopefully I, I feel like I haven't done it as of yet. But if I'm back home right now and I jump straight back on this hamster wheel, then I don't feel I've moved on from my traveling experiences. I don't feel as a person I've changed. Whereas if I come back, and I do have certain values to myself um, and incorporate these back whilst I'm uh, at home, then it's definitely been, I can't say success, but it's definitely had an impact on my life um, if I've uh, incorporated it into my daily lifestyle. And I have jumped off this hamster wheel and I have become, uh, I have, um, what should I say, I, um, I've been, I'm, I'm, I'm being a human. I'm now being a human rather than a human being. So do you, obviously still still coming off this adventure pretty fresh um, in your mind and everything, um, I guess say, you know, five, six months down the road, how, how do you think you're going to make sure that you keep up with this stuff and, and try to practice some of the th- these things daily or every other day and, and make sure that you don't kind of fall back into that hamster wheel trap because I've definitely felt that way before. Um, you know, you come back and excited and, and you want to make changes, but then it's, you know, it's, it's a work in progress always and just trying to, trying to make those changes day by day and, and keep them alive, I guess. How do you uh, foresee yourself allowing, this, allowing these, um, these uh, habits and lessons to stay with you, you know, five, six months after a big traveling thing like this? I've uh, come to terms with it's a new chapter in my life. It is a fresh start. Um, but in terms of having these these habits, these characteristics, these life lessons, I've actually, it's traveling. Um, I have to put it back into my daily life, not daily life, sorry, I have to put it in my lifestyle. So what I am doing now, I am trying to come up with ideas of ways to travel when I am able to, or at least travel and explore the UK much more, just keeping myself active, doing much more back at my hometown. Um, And I feel like it's going to be steps, just baby steps, just taking it day by day, keeping up to date with people. the people that I've definitely traveled with and again, trying to get them to come over to my hometown so that I can show them around. And I think it's just about 
having a bit of a, I don't want to say closure, but bringing the end of the last chapter and start looking towards the new chapter ahead. Um, and the only reason I say that is because if I only get excited on my previous travel, I'm never going to move on. I'm always going to think, okay, South America, Central America, these are the places, this is what I did. I need to look further afield now. I need to carry on. I have definitely been bitten by this traveler's bug. And I think that is what's getting me through my time right now. And I am thinking of my next travels, hopefully Southeast Asia, where I was originally going to go. I think I'm maybe going there next. Hopefully end of next year. We'll see. I'm still trying to put it in the pipeline. Um, but in terms of my daily lifestyle, my daily habits, it's just baby steps. I've really got to take it slowly, see where I'm faltering, where I'm improving. Um, and people have noticed a difference in me. They definitely have noticed the fact that I am being much more active. Um, in terms of my eating habits, I've changed that. Um, I'm looking to eat healthier, even though I was eating healthier before. But in terms of what I'm appreciating, I'm appreciating so much more water. Uh, rather having bottled water i'm able to just have tap water now um so yeah it's stuff like that they have noticed um but again it's, it's going to take time to realize if i have attained these uh these characteristics and habits and if i have maintained it really so pretty random question now but um you talked a little bit about how you like to uh, ask people to take a photo of you and you have no, you know, you like to do that and it's a good way to start meeting people. So what do you think of selfie sticks? Ooh, okay. <laughs> it's not random. It's a much needed topic. Um, a selfie stick. Um, I took one with me on my travels. Um, did I use it? No. I was much more... I was I was happy just using my arm. I felt the angle I used to get on my arm was much more personal. It didn't feel like it was... I just feel like there's something about a selfie stick. I just... I can't... I'm just not a fan. I, 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 I prefer just using my arm and getting the right lighting within my arm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of selfie sticks, but I can see why they're used. There's one incident that happened um, when I was at the Christ of the Redeemer in Rio. Wow, people do love their selfie sticks. I don't know how many times I nearly got hit in the face with their selfie stick, but it was like um, it was like a game show. Everyone had a selfie stick on the small little platform um, just below the Christ the Redeemer. Just everyone had a selfie stick, and I was after you know ducking and weaving and doing even limbo on some of these selfie sticks. But yeah, it's absolutely crazy at the amount of people that have selfie sticks. And um, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure. I I think there's a time and a place for a selfie stick, but people do go OTT sometimes on them. Oh my god, I'm I'm trying not to laugh too hard right now because it's it's four a.m. here in, in the, the hostel lounge, but I'm like crying over here. That was too funny. Oh no, I agree though. It's uh they've definitely gone overboard with them. But okay, all right. So we'll we'll start getting into some of the South America stuff now. Um, but you've mentioned a lot about your uh, love for football. And so I, 
I believe your team back home is Manchester United, yeah? Yes, it is. Yes, okay. it is. So, what is, how many games have you been to Manchester United games, I guess, in your life? Is it a very high number? Um, yeah, um, I've, I've lost count, if I'm honest with you. So, um, when I was a young child, um, my brother and I, we used to go to football games in Manchester United with my uncle. And he was very lucky. He had season tickets uh, to go to the games. And when he was too old to go because he had children of his own and he found it difficult to go on a regular basis, he passed them down to myself and my brother. And that was it from there. We were going every single game. That was it. We, we weren't going to miss a game. Um, we, used to, we, we still do. Uh, we go away games. We go to the home games. Um, just any opportunity, really. And... It's when I'm talking about the hamster wheel, and I, I I do refer to it as being you know caught up in this cycle. For me and my brother, we we like to meet up regularly, and it definitely is one of the things we do where we regularly meet up to go to the football games before the match or even after the match. We'd go for food, and we'd enjoy enjoy each other's company. Um, we even have our cousins and friends now that have season tickets and they come to matches with us. So it's really become a social event for us, going to these games, supporting the team we love. And this love for our team, it's even taken us across Europe. So Western Europe and certain parts of Southern Europe, um, we've we've been to purely because we've travelled um, these places to watch our team um, play. And recently, last week, we went to Lisbon, Portugal, to uh, watch our team as well which again it's just an amazing feeling going to travel seeing a new place and seeing the team you love which is a great feeling and talking about sports as well just the fact I was traveling um, and I'd tell people I'd wear my football top my jersey and just showing them who I was supporting who I was a fan of they straight away, they used to come to me, the Argentinians, and they'd be like, oh, your player, he, he, he plays, you know, on our national team. Or I'd go to Brazil in a certain city, and they'd be like, did you know your player comes from our town or our city? He grew up in this area. Straight away, sport breaks so much of these barriers. Like, I'm the one who usually goes to talk to people, but when you've got football on, that is it. Anyone talks to anyone. I didn't even have to speak Spanish to them. We could have sign language. We could even just look at the team and the shake of the head or the shake of the hand. We could understand each other perfectly. And this goes across the world as well. When I used to speak uh, to people from the States, uh, United States, and I'd be like, yeah, my team's um, uh, Miami Heat or, you know, my uh, American football team's the New York Jets. Straight away, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I had family there or I have this there. Sports is a beautiful thing. I don't care who you are, where you're from. It does wonders. It really does wonders. Um, so, yeah, I was very, very uh, lucky. Being a great, you know, uh, being a passionate supporter myself, going to many football games in South America, it was absolutely amazing to do. Going to the football stadiums that I can only imagine, dream of going to, um, going to some of the places, the areas that some of the greatest footballers have ever come from. It was a dream come true for me. Absolute dream come true. 
how were the how was like the environment um of those stadiums like compared to the ones in Europe I mean I know both both South America and Europe are are huge on on football um much more than the US so I I can't attest to it as much but I guess was it was it similar did you feel like or did they have its kind of own unique style or flair like I guess how could you compare them if if it's even right to do so I've definitely been football grounds all over the world. I've been across Europe, I've been across Asia, and I have been uh, South America. And I tell you what, the South Americans, they they don't have great football. The football they play on the pitch is not very good. But their fans, on the other hand, they are absolutely incredible. They're passionate. Cities are draped with their colours, whether it's red, blue, white. And if you're seen in the opposition colours... That is it, game over. You better run back home because you cannot wear the opposition colours. That is how serious it is out there. There were certain grounds I did go and it was extremely hostile. Um, But again, that is what I love. I used to love going to these places. Um, Going to the biggest of the best and the, the, the clashes, the rival clashes. And seeing the culture of the football... And football, again, it's at the heart of South America. It really, really is. It is a part of the culture. Um, and I I did see this. I saw this a lot. And what would happen is I'd try to get tickets and I'd find it very hard, um, especially if I was going to go with a big group of people because they didn't want to give it to tourists. They want to give it to people that were passionate supporters or they were locals. Um, I was very lucky that, a lot of the time, I'd used to go to these games, um, and what I'd used to do, I used to try and get the tickets on my own, so I'd speak in Spanish, um, and because of, I know I shouldn't mention this, but because of the skin tone I had, uh, because of my uh, my physical appearance, they were a bit confused as to where I was from. They knew I was in, um, an ethnic European, or I was an ethnic from the North American uh, state uh, countries. So they weren't like, okay, this guy's not a gringo, um, the term, the expression they use. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll get the tickets and then I can get people into the ground. And I did this quite often. And I tell you what, when you're in the ground, you best support the team. You get all these fans looking at you, whether you're a supporter, whether you're a tourist, whether you're a, a, the opposition supporter. And they really do. But I tell you one thing. As soon as you open your mouth and you support the team, you're you're really trying your best to get involved with the team. You're wearing the colours or you start to chant. That is it. You're accepted. They really put their arm around you. They look after you. They make you feel a part of that experience. And when you're a part of that experience, it is priceless. It really is. I really miss watching my own football team. I really did. Hence why I did come back for the, fin- the European final. Um, but in terms of actually watching football, I really enjoyed the experience of going to different grounds, experiencing different uh, the atmosphere, the crowds, the build-up of a game. Um, so yeah, it is a special thing. If anyone, if anyone does go to South or uh, Central America, please do go visit uh, a soccer stadium, a football stadium, and watch a match. Did you ever find yourself in? the opposing team side or I guess would you kind of adopt a team and then like were you ever in a scenario where someone was like 
you you don't support our team and they like maybe got pretty violent or upset or anything um, yeah. um it's funny because what i used to do the way i used to support my team first and foremost do they have a player a famous player or a, a club legend or whatnot that came from manchester united if so straight away i'll support your team secondly if they didn't then are they wearing the red are they wearing the red? Because Manchester United is also in the colours of the red. So I'd go on them two bases. And if not, it'd just come down to who my friends were, who I already spoken to um, in the city, in the towns. And then I'd go from there. If, if I supported a team, um, it'd be through one of those three things. In terms of going to the stadiums, I'm smart enough um, to not wear colours of either team. The reason being is because you do not want that conflict. You do. You don't want that issue. And I've had it in the past in uh, the UK. You just don't wear colours. Uh, the reason being is because as soon as you finish the match, and you're trying to get away from the stadium, and if you're still wearing red and the opposition's all blue, you stick out like a sore thumb. So I used to just go in neutral colours. But when I was in the ground, I made as much noise as possible for the team I was supporting, um, and they clearly knew who I was uh, a fan of. Um, I never really got myself in a sticky situation. Um, that that really never came across me. I was very fortunate and very lucky in that sense. So other other than the football, then I guess because um, a, lo- a lot of people, when just traveling in general, one of their main concerns is safety, depending on where they're going. But in general, um, so being in uh, South America for so long and in some of these these big cities and where I know it's they're generally pretty safe but maybe not as much as some place like Japan or Singapore or maybe some other options you looked into um, I guess did you ever have scenarios where you felt like truly unsafe or like you might be in a bad situation yeah there, there were one there, there's been a couple of places I I'm not. I wasn't a fan of. I wasn't safe at all. I wasn't comfortable with. Um, and the kind of traveller I am, um, I am usually a solo traveller, and I do. You know, I mind my own business. And the re- the way I do that, I'm able to blend in as much as I can. Um, it's only when I start to speak, people are noticing. Okay, he's not from around here. He's definitely not a local, and that's when I may have a few people uh, look at me in a certain way. Um, in terms of safety, um, I didn't come across a lot of places. I was like, "Whoa, I need to really get out of here." Um, the reason being is because if it was, I'd just keep myself to myself and get from A to B. I heard horror stories, and I'm not going to lie. I've heard horror stories of people, you know, being robbed, mugged. Um, very rarely they were attacked. But again, it was around the situation that it happened. It was through um, people being careless, people going late nights to certain places and being drunk and obnoxious. Um, where I, w- I can't say they were asking for trouble, but they were in situations where it was very easy to be in a bad um having a bad experience uh, should i say but um for myself i was never put in harm's way i'm thank god i wasn't um but in terms of safety if, you, if something's gonna happen to you and I, i'm a big believer of this you just gotta be in the wrong time wrong place and that is it something bad will happen to you but you can only do your best 
to prevent something. And as long as you've done your best, you can't do much more than that. If something bad's going to come your way, it's going to come your way. Um, I remember traveling towards Cuenca in Ecuador. Sorry, anyone that's from Cuenca. You guys are beautiful people. You're nice people. But uh, one of my friends, they were traveling um, over the border from Peru into Cuenca. And when they were traveling over that border, unfortunately, they were robbed. Um, but again, I took the exact same route a few hours later than them. And nothing happened to me. In fact, it was it was one of the easier places that I traveled through. So again, I, I do I really do feel like it is a time and a place. Um, you come across the wrong people, or you come around uh, a scenario that just happens to have you involved. Then it's just going to happen, unfortunately. I, I liked your point about how a lot of people who bad things do happen to maybe they're putting themselves in those situations and making those mistakes. Um, What's something that you feel like a lot of people, a mistake a lot of people make um, that could maybe easily be avoided after traveling for so long and, and seeing other people maybe make some of these mistakes or maybe making them yourself? Yeah, it is one of those things. And I'm the kind of traveler and I love getting in the nitty gritty. I love seeing the rawness of a place. And in order to do that, I travel very light. I don't wear any accessories. My phone's concealed unless I really need to get it out. Um, I don't wear labelled clothing, so I stand out as a tourist. I'm that kind of traveller. I like to be like a, a chameleon. I like to blend in in the surroundings. I don't even have a day pack. Whatever I really need, it's in my pockets. It is that simple. Um, I know it's hard for some people who like to carry DSLRs. Um, and the only thing is I, I could say to that is really, you've got to keep yourself on guard. Ask your hostel, your accommodation, what areas are safe to go to, uh, what streets are you know known for uh, trouble or bad bad things to happen. Um, when you're in taxis, sit in the front seat rather than, you know, when you're in an unmarked um a taxi from a certain company that does a taxi service from a mobile phone sit in the front seat don't sit in the back because straight away you know it's a taxi um them small things you just need to pick up lock your things away um, when you know when you need to when you're traveling on a, a coach for instance have your passport have your you know the most valuable things close to your heart close to your chest wrapped in a, a concealable uh, storage uh, bag or pocket they're the kind of things i did and it came to a point where i was even becoming careless because i thought do you know what it's 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 for me it was safe i i felt very safe and i i was very wary of my surroundings but even towards the end i was becoming that careless because i don't ever feel unsafe so um I did have to remind myself a few times, do you know what, just still be on guard. You never know what might happen around the corner. Um, but it, there were a few times I used to wake up on these midnight buses and I looked to the person next to me and start to profile them, which you shouldn't ever judge a book by the cover. Um, but yeah, I used to have a conversation with them, try and get a feel of who they are, what they're about. Um, but yeah, sleeping next to strangers on their overnight bus could be the most weirdest feeling you know you might have an awful sleep but again like if you don't get some sleep then you're going to be ratting you're going to be really tired and careless the following day so again i think you just prep yourself in such a way 
something bad happens, it's going to happen. It's one of those things. But you do need to be on guard um, when you are traveling. And anyone that is being careless or whatnot, please have someone that is beside you or around you that you're able to travel with. You can rely on, you can trust. Um, because again, if you're alone and you're in a place that you, you don't know the language very well, you don't know the area very well, then harm will come your way, unfortunately. I'm curious now because you said you you traveled pretty light. What, how much luggage did you bring with you on these trips? Yeah, I took <laughs> I took a, a backpack. It's a sixty liter backpack. It's not the greatest size. It's not the smallest. Um, everything everything fits in there. Um, I'd I'd only take a certain amount of uh, clothing. I take a certain amount of shoes. Uh, whatever I needed, I had. I I really didn't. I, I didn't need to take a large amount of clothing or anything, but on t- in terms of actually traveling on these day trips or traveling in and around the city, I would literally carry um, like a, a, a small leather leatherette man purse thing with my debit card, my credit card, my money, my driving license, for instance, and my mobile phone. That is all I needed. I needed just emergency cash, um, my debit, my plastics, and my mobile phone. That is all I needed. So hence, the the selfie sticks were never an option. And I don't think they ever will be. My arm's good enough. Well, that's it for me. That that does it for me. I don't need anything else, really. So every every single photo on your Instagram is from your cell phone? Yep, every single one. Wow, what phone do you have? Some of those are like look professional, like not even like just trying to say that. Like some of those literally look absolutely incredible. Oh, thank you. Really, really do appreciate that. Um, I I took it on my Samsung S7. Big up to her, Samsung S7. You've done the job for me. Um, but in terms of photography as well, I never actually had a huge passion for photography until I started traveling. And I started to see that, do you know what, there is, anyone for me can take a photo, but it's about how you take it, what your perception is of a certain photo. And do you know what, photography is such a subjective thing. And I've learned this whilst traveling. And when I started to ask people to take photos of me or when I was taking photos of them, one thing might look amazing to me, whereas to yourself, you might be like, no, maybe it needs a bit more lighting. Maybe we need to come to the left or center something maybe offset something but yeah photography i i really did get a passion for it whilst traveling so yeah i'm i'm a big fan big fun one of your trips or adventures that i like stared at the photos for a while they were just so cool um well all of them are incredible but this one especially, um, you took a trip to, I'm going to say this wrong, but Torres del Paine in Chile. Wow, 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 wow. And, wow. and hiked what is called the W Trail. Now, I have not heard of this before, but I'm very, very interested now. Um, can you just kind of explain this hike and your trip and going camping and hiking by yourself for a few days? Yeah. I'll be honest with you. It's one of those things. I didn't have a Scooby-Doo 
what this was until I started traveling. After finishing uh, Brazil, the carnival, I was heading down south to Uruguay and then to Buenos Aires. And when I was in Buenos Aires, people were like, oh, yeah, we're going to go um, a few days. Um, we're going to go a few days to Patagonia down south. Uh, Patagonia is a region. It's a uh, it's a, it's a nature uh, reserve. It's an area where it's Chile and Argentina and the south of it, basically. Um, and the Patagonian uh, nature reserves are just absolutely incredible. Just Stunning. The region is just something else. And I was in Buenos Aires and people were like, yeah, yeah, we're going to go. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I didn't know nothing about this area. I really didn't know nothing. I've read about some things like you have to go there and it's expensive to go. You need to do this and that. And this is where, you know, I was questioning myself. Will I have this opportunity again? Will I be able to come to South America just to do this again? And if I'm honest with you, I really don't know what what my next chapter is going to have for me. I don't know whether I'm, I don't want to wish bad on myself, but I might even get an injury on my legs or something where I'm able to not do treks or anything. So I thought, forget it. This is the day. This is the trip. This is when I'm going to do it. Let's do it. Started looking for flights. And again, like I did with just before I traveled, I looked at flights, checked the best option, and I booked it there and then. Um, and it was one of the greatest things I have ever, ever, ever done. And I really do hope I'm able to experience it again. So what I did was I flew down south, um, the most southern city in the world, Ushuaia. And this is in Argentina. And from Argentina, I made my, um, from Ushuaia, I made my way up. And there's a few places, few cities, few towns that you need to go to when you go to Patagonia. Uh, Torres del Paine, this is a place next to Puerto Natales, which is in Chile. And this area, it's just one of the most beautiful places you can ever go. It's a place where you're able to trek. The most famous treks are the O-Trek or the W track. Um the W track can take around three to four days, the O track around five to six or even seven days, depending on how long you take. Um I opted for time and money. I opted for the W track and I can tell you just my photos, I did not even need to do anything to them. I have so many photos still on my album. There's just no need for any filters, no need for any um, adjustments to the photos. There's just no need for nothing. The the beauty of it, the na- nature, the the lighting, the colors, just everything about that area was just spot on. Um the sort of things that were there, there were lakes reserves, um there was lake reserves, there was uh, glaciers there, there was um there was uh, open fields, open uh, forest areas. Um, what else did we have? We had uh, suspension bridges. Uh, we had uh, rocky areas where we were able to um, climb up. Uh, we were camping out in the open. When I mean we, again, like I said before, when you're a solo traveler, you are never alone. And people that I met whilst traveling on that W track, we were sharing cookies. We were sharing biscuits with each other, keeping each other motivated. And for certain parts of the day, one or two hours, we'd walk with each other. And, you know, we, we share each other's company whilst we're walking. The trek itself, it was extremely challenging and i'm talking about my backpack that 60 liter backpack was filled with camping uh, gear it was filled with the um, all the uh, all my food all my um my tent my clothing 
it was filled with all sorts. It was very difficult and very heavy. Um, so again, it was the most challenging thing I have ever done in terms of trekking, but it was the most rewarding, hands down the most rewarding. And I even pushed myself that much. I went to see the, the actual towers, it's called. It's the final area you go called the towers, the Torres del Paine Towers. I saw that in sunset. I saw it for sunrise and I saw it whilst it was in noon. People don't even get to see it once. And I was seeing it in all sorts of lights. I was seeing it in all sorts of uh, times of the day. And it was just something I can never, ever, ever forget. It was just something that was, uh, it was life-changing. It really was life-changing. And I was going in this area. Um, I know it, right now it's the autumn time in the UK. But I was in Patagonia around April, April time. And it's autumn time there. So you can only imagine what it was like in terms of the trees, the colours. You had some greenery, but then you had brown, you had uh, yellow, you had yellow. You had all sorts of colours that were there, and it was just absolutely a masterpiece. You had rivers flowing. You used to drink out the water. Uh, you used to drink out the rivers, fresh water. And again, I've never tasted water so pure and so fresh. But I had one issue, unfortunately. There was one mirror door, one uh, viewpoint that I went to, and unfortunately, it wasn't very well signposted. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a very um, well-trodden path. And I went on this path, and I was traveling solo. And again, I was stupid enough to go solo, but I was traveling solo, and I kind of went off the path, and I went missing for about forty-five minutes. Um, I've never been so scared in my life because again, the temperatures were dropping and it was becoming, it was going to be sunset soon. And I knew if I did not get this path before sunset, that is it. The wolves, whatever they got out there, the nature, whatever they had out there, they were definitely going to come for me. Um, so yeah, I knew I had to get back on that path. I've never been so scared. I even, between me and you and even the listeners, <laughs> I made my videos. I was like, Mum, I love you. Um, if you find this video, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I even started to make videos. I've never been so scared or worried in my life. But when I got back on that path, I made it back to camp. Even people were asking, because again, when you, you find out who's going to be in your campsite that night, so everyone checks in on each other and be like, oh, when did you get here? Or we'll be waiting for you at the campsite. We'll have a uh, dinner together. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great relief when I got back to that campsite that night. But, yeah, Torres del Paine, it has to be there on anyone's list that is into their trekking, into the hiking, into their nature. You have to go to Patagonia and definitely down south to Torres del Paine. So did you literally just buy all the gear necessary just, like, once you had booked the flight and things and, like, because I, I imagine when you were in the other parts of South America, you didn't need winter coats and snowshoes or snow pants or anything. Like, how did you, did you just kind of plan like that, just very on the go? Yeah, it was, again, you'll kind of gather this from me. I am literally go with the flow. I love just winging it. I love just trying it out. So when I got to Torres del Paine, I, I literally spoke around to people and, the traveling community is a beautiful community. And what they do is as soon as they are finished with their equipment or they don't need something, they'll donate it. The hostel I was staying at as well, they, they even told me where and where to go. You can get lost and found or you can get places where people have donated their gas canisters or uh, their tents. 
I'd say maybe it was a 60-40 I rented and I managed to find things to use myself. So in terms of getting a um and, and getting a tent or getting a sleeping mat and uh, getting the thermals that I needed, I was able to rent or even uh, have them actually donated to myself. So yeah, it is one of those. And once you're finished with it, as a traveller would, you donate it to the next traveller that's going to go on this uh, trek. So again, it is doable. You really need to think outside the box. Like it's not set in stone. You don't have to buy everything. You just need to know where you need to spend if you have to spend. And I think that's something you do learn when you're trying to budget or when you're trying to maximize the money that you do have. That just it just sounds so incredible. I have you done like many big hikes before? Like I've 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 done a few hikes and like some camping stuff, but doing something like a a multi-day trip like that, I that's definitely on my list to do soon. Um have you done something like that before or was this you said it was the biggest thing you've done to date hiking-wise, but like have you done an overnight hike trip before? Yeah, I've done a few in the UK. Um up and down Wales, Scotland, uh, England. I have done a few before. Um, even when I was living in Turkey, I've done a few on the western coast, um, around Cappadocia, uh, Pamukkale area. But in terms of actually South America, it just opened all the floodgates for me. Um, I've unfortunately I have had injuries on my knees, and I'm trying to make the most of my knees before they have way past their sell by date. So I'm trying to use them as much as I can. And trekking was just something I absolutely fell in love with. People used to say, why why are you doing so much trekking? You know, you're hot, you're bothered, you're sweaty, you know, you're tired by the end of the day. What do you enjoy out of it? There's just something about using your own feet, using your own your own body, actually seeing life in a slower pace from your own eyes going in and out of the trees or there's some things you just can't do without just being on your own feet for me um so in terms of that i I really appreciated just having the opportunity to go on these unbelievable hikes and definitely this was the hardest thing i've done and the reason being is because there were parts where you really had to go on steep hills or you'd have to go on steep um um you'd have to have a descend on a really steep rocky edge so again, it was it was all sorts of terrain. I was very lucky on all of my hikes. I didn't have rain. Even when I went to Ecuador and they were having rainy season, I'd have a little bit of a drizzle. I have a bit of rain, but I really I was I was safe. I was fine. I had no issues at all. Um, but yeah, this was definitely the hardest one I I did to date. It was a challenge in terms of the weight I had to carry, in terms of the distance. But it was something I will never forget. Never, never, never. Was seeing it, um, like, that clarity and visibility of the, the what were they called? The, um, the, the towers? towers? The towers, yeah, yeah. Is that, like, a, is that rare to get it as clear and visible as you were able to see on, when you saw them? Oh, in terms of that, again, I was very, very, very fortunate. So, two days before I got to Torres del Paine there was a huge issue of uh, a downpour there was just a lot of rain people were complaining about in terms of their the track the route and um, they used to have a uh, wet um, the wetlands were just un 
you were unable to trek through them so they have to go a longer way around um in terms of seeing the Torres del Paine the towers you'd ha so when you come around the last bend you have to go up a steep a bouldery so there's a lot of boulders and it's hard to climb up and because of the rain it just add that effect of just making it even harder but yeah for me I really dropped on in terms of having the best possible weather, in terms of having the best possible climate to do all these things, really. Oh, incredible. I need, yeah, that's that's high up on my list now, some sort of hike like that. Um, I, I just saw uh, Mount Fuji a few days oh, ago. Oh, yeah. And, oh my gosh, it like you said, seeing something with your own eyes and standing before it and just... It, it's you can't compare it you know you see pictures of these places and and yeah they can look amazing but until you are standing there before it yourself and and the work required to get there and oh my gosh it's just it's unbelievable um yeah it's, it's something that you you when you achieve something like that when you're able to put yourself through something like that and then you do get the view of mount fuji or something like that, it's just incredible to just visualize and say yes i am here i have actually gone through these challenges i have made it to where only a selected amount of the world's population ever has been able to travel see and even accomplish so it, you really are in that limited amount of people but yeah so do you have after doing like that cool of a, a hiking trip is there any other sort of uh trail or, or mountain or uh adventure like that that has come up on your list and you're like okay this might be the next major hiking type thing i want to do there was one uh, and i managed to do it um so i'm looking for my next one so the one i did was uh going to um it was the volcano akatenango um which is in nicaragua again you are going up a volcano to look overlook another volcano and again, that overnight trek was is a challenge and a half. Um, I wouldn't say it's the hardest thing I've done because it was only the overnight. But in terms of doing that trek and being able to sleep beside a volcano, an active volcano, and you hear it erupting, you see, you know, all the lava uh, going beside uh, the volcano. That was a trek that really, really will stick in mind, and it was worth every single sweat drop. The next one I really want to do. Um, so my mum's actually born. She was born in Kenya. So I am thinking hopefully going to Mount Kilimanjaro and actually seeing East Africa and exploring it. But that for me would do it. I would love to go up there, see it from the top and being able to achieve it. So I think that might be on my bucket list. It might be on the list to do. Okay, I've, I've got a few more questions for you here, um, and then we'll, uh, we'll start to wrap this up a bit. I mean, we honestly might need to do a part two because I we've I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. I mean, I'm sure you have countless stories, and just really do I yeah, really do? It's, I know it's it's so hard to to touch on everything doing when you've been gone for that long. You know, it's 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 so hard to. Uh, express all that but um all right so a few, a few more questions though do you have any sort of philosophy while traveling um and maybe this is 
if, if has it been maybe constant throughout your travels if you do have one or did you develop one as you as you went about your travels do you know what? I might sound very I don't want to come across rude or anything like that and I know a lot of people that go soul searching when they're traveling and people do ask me why did you even go traveling in the first place you know is it soul searching you're after are you running away from something are you you know what what is the purpose the philosophy behind traveling for me I think there's many parts and the part that I really want to come across is it opens you up completely traveling is something that you've heard the expression it's something that you can invest in something you can pay for and you come back richer and that is really it you can tell someone who's traveled anyone that you when you come back to your local home your local area you can tell someone who's had that traveling experience who's had their traveling bug um being bitten by that traveling bug and my philosophy if anything is literally go out and do it just go out even if you're married you've got kids even if you're an elderly person even if you're young and you just finished university there's traveling for every type of person and it doesn't matter you know people might categorize oh you know you're one of those travelers that go do this or you're that kind of traveler you're your own person we can't have all the same travelers everyone's got their own ideals of what a traveler is or what they're capable of pushing themselves to and i feel like just get that taste you get a taste of what you want to do in traveling just get that little taste and the rest will follow and in terms of traveling you you can't beat it in terms of knowledge i've learned so much in terms of history culture the people the connection with the humankind the, the human beings around the world i i can't i can never ever experience that sitting in a classroom i could never ever experience that in a classroom and i think that is something that people do need to understand i think that is a part of life pushing yourself in terms of exploring explore what is out there in the world um i know in your your previous podcast you had the pure pure vida um the pure life uh, philosophy and that is touching upon that in terms of having that pure life but in the pure life sense of you are doing what you want to do in life and if you are then you are you're complete you are going to be that complete person because you're doing you and that is something you need to do in life is do you get that taste of what you want to do and i tell you what traveling helps that so much so much because what you're able to do you're able to build that blueprint while you're traveling you're more open to having them changes in life you're more open to um being the person you want to be rather than being stuck in that cage that uh, hamster wheel rather than being that person you're out there doing what you want to do in life and i feel that is something traveling does it allows you to do allows you to sculpture you who you want to be in life so why do you think more people don't do something like a extensive trip like this or maybe not even traveling why do you think more people just don't go after doing something that they truly want to do whether that is traveling or not um because i I'm, I'm with you as well i think everyone should should go out and travel um but there's a lot of people who don't or maybe it takes them a, a long time too so you know why do you think that might be clear and simple simple and clear answer 
the greatest thing to belittle as humans, it's fear. It really is fear. I've had so many people, so many people say to me before I was traveling, oh, I'd love to come traveling with you. And this is why I postponed my travels for so long. So many people like, yeah, yeah, let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. It never came to booking. And even whilst I was traveling, so many people, I would love to come traveling with you. I'd love to. After that point, I stopped caring or I stopped being held back by these people. It was later on that people started messaging me and started regretting their choice of life and wishing they had my choice of life. And it's not something I'm trying to boast or trying to say, oh, you know, I've had the better lifestyle or whatnot. I am really living people's dreams right now. Well, I was living people's dreams whilst traveling. And the reason being is because I really did stand up to my fear of traveling solo, traveling for such a long time. And I really do think that holds people back. Are they able to leave their career job? Are they able to leave their responsibility, their duties? That is the number one thing for me. It's fear. People do not have the courage to stand up to themselves and say, no, this is what I want to do. This is where I'm going to go. This is how I'm going to do it. And if I do come across a challenge or a problem, that's fine. I'll overcome it somehow. But the number one thing is fear. So what would you say to someone who is maybe considering doing something uh, like what you've done or maybe maybe not as extreme, maybe they haven't traveled much before, but you know, what would you say to someone, whether a piece of advice or just some encouragement or, uh, or just any sort of uh, any tips or tricks to, to do something so uh, expansive? The turning point for me, um, and this is an advice that I'd pass on that someone told me once. If you can sit, I know this sounds stupid, but if you can sit in a restaurant, and I mean a busy restaurant, if you can sit in a restaurant and eat on your own for the first time, just remember that feeling. I remember it very well, sitting in a restaurant on my own, knowing no one else is going to sit opposite me, and I was in my own company, sitting there. You're on, the, you're on the right way. You're on the right path. Because that is the hardest thing for me. When I first, um, when, I, when I got my head around it, it was the hardest thing ever. To sit on your own at night and just having that conscious feeling of someone's watching me. Someone thinks I'm on my own. Someone thinks, you know, who is this person? You know, just being on their own. Is it a weird thing to do? But when you can enjoy your own company and you can do things for yourself, you're definitely on the right path. So that is something I'd definitely say. Be comfortable with who you are because there will be times you will be with people or you'll be on your own. But if you're comfortable with who you are, there's nothing stopping you. You can do whatever you want. You can go and work in Australia, then catch a flight over to South America. You do what you want. You can then go to the States or even to Europe. You do what you want. But you need to be comfortable with who you are first because then that way you can pave the path you want. What do you wish you would have known on day one before, as you're departing, you're in the airport, got your bags all excited, what do you wish you would have known or what would have been valuable to know for your adventure? It's a tricky one there. <laughs> it's a tricky one. And it's a yes and a no. And I know this sounds stupid, but the language. 
Um, but it's a double barrel for me. Um, I wish I was fluent in Spanish. And the reason being is so that I could really express myself or have a high intellectual or even, you know, have laughs and jokes in a certain way with locals or, you know, really experience it to the fullest. But then it's a double barrel because the pigeon Spanish I had, it allowed to, ha you know, it allowed me to have certain jokes or laughter or it allowed me to be welcome in some homes or with families or people or friends because they knew I was a tourist and uh, a traveler, should I say, and that I didn't have the best of Spanish and, you know, I'm far away from home. I would love to have learned Spanish, if I'm honest with you. I, I think it would have really improved my experiences it would have uh, definitely allowed me to have the full experience of doing much more if that makes sense but again i think it's one of those it's a it's, you get the good and the bad if you you know the language fully final question this one a little bit tough as well i've i've asked it to every guest i've had on so far but um how would you sum up all of your travels into a sentence or two? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um, if I had to sum it up, I would say I've learned the value of traveling and not the price of traveling. Definitely the value. There's, when people talk of money, when people talk of, uh, I know I'm going off, going off the sentence, but in terms of traveling, there's definitely value. And the money makes the world go round. It really does. But for a traveler, it's whatever you instill into something that gives it the value. I went to restaurants that had, you know, X amount of money for the same things I was getting on the streets. And when I was in them restaurants, I'd be on my own or, you know, I'd, I, I'd have to be in a certain behavior or, you know, I wasn't myself. But when I was having these street food for the less amount of money or I really was enjoying the company that was around. And that for me was the value. That was the value that I instilled and I enjoyed. So for me, it really is knowing the value of traveling and not the price. Beautiful. All right. Did so, you feel that? <laughs> I did. did. Did you feel that? <laughs> um, all right. So what, uh, I guess, what, what's coming up next for you? Anything special you're working on? Uh, and, uh, and where can people find your incredible adventures? What's the best platform? And uh, where would you like people to, to interact with you online? Yeah, definitely. So what's next? It's the new chapter. <laughs> I've got to come back in that working world, the grind. But I'm working with my brother. We have a new baby shop that we've opened up and it's going really well. I'm trying my best to stay there as long as possible. I keep, you know, nudging him and saying I'm going traveling next. So I'll see how it goes. We, we don't know where the path's going to take us. And I love the fact that I don't know where it's going to take me. Um, but I'm aiming, hopefully, to go traveling again. I've got one more long stint in me, hopefully six plus months. Um, I am looking to do in Southeast Asia, uh, maybe further afield. Um, when, I do not know, but hopefully end of next year. Um, where you guys can find me, honestly, 
you can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's Muzzer Abroad. It's it's it is what it is. You, you'll see my story. I've I've done it in such a way that it's my diary. Effectively, it's my travel diary. I've done it. You know, the amount of days that I've travelled, I've tried to put a story with you know the caption, um, the story behind the photo. Um, so yeah, you guys can find me on Instagram, Muzzer Abroad. Um, if you have any questions, any queries, anything about my post, my travels, uh, any advice, please do drop us a message and I will try my best to answer them and give you as much information as possible. Um, I'm trying to do my best. I'm doing a 10 part series for Muslims and non-Muslims on why they should travel on YouTube. Again, that's Muzzer Abroad. I'm finding it very hard to get the time at the moment to piece all these video uh, uh, montages together and bring a masterpiece to you guys. But I'm not going to release it until I know it's uh, good enough for you guys. So watch out. It will come out soon. So YouTube and Instagram, hit us up, guys, and I'll hopefully see you guys soon. Mm -hmm.